0: We are on the brink of a mental health crisis, and this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or or smartphone sign up today go to betterhelp.com and use the promo code solvinghealthcare and get 10% off sign up fees Podcast 99 at reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Welcome back, Qualcast Nation. This is a doozy of an episode. Anybody that is a parent needs to listen to this one. Got Dr. Lauren Falkerson, met her at the Metabolic Health Summit, CrossFitter pediatrician, and her ability to to kind of break down how we could be more present with our our kids and and build resilience is so beautiful. Like I really enjoyed this episode with Lauren. Because it, it came with practical tips that I will be applying to my kids and to my family, straight up. Taking care of yourself to make sure you could be more present. Being with the kids' emotions, such an important factor. Creating a safe space for your kids, letting them know that your environment is a safe place for them, such an important message and theme. So without further ado, let's do this. Dr. Lauren Fulkerson. All right, Qualcast Nation, welcome back. We got the one and only Dr. Lauren Fulkerson, who I must say I'm a big fan of. We got to meet in Santa Barbara for the first time. CrossFit yeah. enthusiast. I can't believe the pipes on on Lauren. Like it's, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us on the show.
1: It's great to be here. I'm really excited. It was such a great time meeting you there at the Metabolic Health Summit. It was
0: a lot of fun. Like for me, it was like our first in-person real encounter. So it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And what really got us going, like we talked about, uh, you know, health in general and and the wellness of 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 adults, but specifically kids like you're trained as a pediatrician. And one of the things that we were talking about was with all these school closures and, and all the the impacts we've had on our children, like how do we foster and create some more resilience amongst them? So maybe I'll just start off with what your impression over the last two years has been.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been I think nothing short of tragic. I I'm of course with the pandemic and the loss of lives, um, but I really the you know what drew me to you, and you know a lot of those the things you're talking about is just the impact of just the whole pandemic on our mental health. It's absolutely been destructive. It, and especially I mean I mean I say especially kids, but I you know I think it's just hands down across the board. Um, and I feel like pri- even prior to the pandemic, we were already in a dangerous spot. I think with our not only our health, which we talked about, like our metabolic health, and I think what landed, um, you know, a lot of people sicker than they should have been with this um, based on their metabolic health. But I think that our mental health was already really not great and pretty tenuous. And so, with the lockdowns and the school closures, um, the isolation for kids. Mm -hmm. I mean you know, I'm mean, going to speak more specifically towards kids, but this, for me, this is definitely across the board with adults as well, of course. Um, but the social isolation for kids was pretty profound. And I was actually in Hong Kong when it started because I'd been living there for over nine years. And it's really interesting because, we had so few cases, their policy was zero policy, which I knew would blow up in their face at some point, which it did. Uh, but my kids were actually not quite socially isolated. So we were fortunate enough that they, uh, we were still comfortable uh, with them being with friends. Mm-hmm. And the date, as the data came out, it really showed that kids were very minimally affected by this, so. Unfortunately, that wasn't the policy, you know, across the board. When I got back to the U.S., I was shocked at how many people I talked to who's who actually said their kids hadn't left the house in almost a year.
0: Totally. Totally.
1: So or they hadn't had a friend contact. And this just shocked me and saddened me. Right. Because social connection is so big not you know for kids and adults as well so i think that just the impact of that the impact of not being able to go to school um the the mask wearing actually was really detrimental for children especially younger children who rely on um facial expressions uh, i mean we all do but also speech development that took a big hit too Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I think the last, I I mean, I'm I'm sure the statistics have changed, but I think the increase in suicide rate for, for children and adolescent went up like 20%, um, over the pandemic. So yeah, I mean, I mean, this obviously was across the board with adults. I know you saw it, um, a lot in your ICU. And so we're really at a crisis point with this. And I think my difficulty with this is we're so inundated with um you know especially with social media and all this uh, support for mental health yet there's some kind of disconnect right mm-hmm. between people actually doing better and all the 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 information that we're flooded with right mm-hmm. so I do. Um, anyways, I just, you know, the, the impact has been so profound and I think it's going to go on for years and we really have to take an active step to reverse it. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, yeah. that's exactly my concerns is that, you know, these, these policies, the way we approach things are, can have such a long impact on our kids, how they, how affect they, how they'll effectively raise their own kids. You know, like, I, I think it, honestly, some of this could be generational and right. yeah. And I, I think I was keen on, on talking to you, Lauren, about like what we could do about it. Like I, I, I liked when we were chatting, like you had awesome ideas in terms of, you know, let's not just take, a backseat about this and, and be reactive. Let's try and be proactive and some uh, to a certain degree. So what are some of the things that in your mind come up in terms of how we mitigate some of this shit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've actually been doing a uh, parenting work with a woman uh, with called the conscious parenting revolution. And I honestly think that I've been doing this with her since I was in Hong Kong um, and more specifically over the last couple of years I think there's a couple of things that we have to do. Um, and we do, we've been doing this with our parenting work, even pre pandemic. I mean, number one is as parents. And if, even if you're not a parent, but you have an impact with children, right? Teachers, healthcare providers, anything like that. We have to get centered with ourselves first. We have to be able to manage our triggers and our emotions, so we can help guide our children. So one of the biggest things that we do, and we're all human, right? We, you know, especially as adults, we have extreme amounts of stress, Uh, you know, we get triggered, we have all these things, and these translate to our children as well. So one of the biggest things we, we promote in our you know, I think it really comes down to how we parent our children and how we allow them to have the feelings that they have. So I think the, one of the biggest things, or a few things that we really talk about. So we, we do not do a controlling form of discipline. So we talk about a guidance approach to discipline. And that meaning is that we treat children like they're people too. Right. And I think we forget this sometimes And this, like you said, this is very generational. So we're trying to, most of us were raised in a controlling form of discipline, um, I would say. I mean, you know, just generationally, like that's how a lot of us have been raised. And so we don't really have the tools to be able to, um, you know, manage our kids' emotions and failures and things like that. So one of the, I think the, one of the biggest things that we really have to focus on is, allowing our kids to have their emotions and not be sucked into their drowning behavior. So what I mean by that is if a child is going through a difficult moment, like all behaviors, disruptive behaviors are due to unmet needs that they have, Mm -hmm. whether the child is hungry, tired, um, you know, being bullied uh, you know, f- there's a huge need for psychological and physical safety. And if a child doesn't have those things, that they're going to act in disruptive ways that we don't like, right? right. <laughs> that either tantrums, not wanting to go to school, all, you know, all these ways that we don't like. And I think a lot of us have this initial reaction to, you know, not figure out the underlying need of what's going on for that child. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I I mean, going back to your thing of how we can create kids that have this resilience is we have to be able to talk to them and allow them to have the feelings that they have. And so I think, you know, for example, if a child is acting out instead of trying to control that behavior is really sitting with them in the discomfort and the pain of what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, just examples of my children of when they are suffering and they're in pain as a parent, the first thing you want to do is fix it. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your child to be in pain, but the way that children and people develop resilience is getting through that pain and realizing they can get to the other side of it or the other side of a failure. So being able to sit with a child and, recognizing that their disruptive behavior is not out of disrespect. It's not because they're bad children. It's not because they, um, you know, they're trying to be mean or hurtful is that they're having something going on within them that is painful. Right. And so Mm -hmm. to be able to sit with a child and, and be with them when they're drowning, that's not the time to, kind of teach them a lesson. That's not the time to try to fix it. It's really the time to sit with them in their discomfort. And I think a lot of kids are just going through so much pain and confusion with the pandemic, even pre-pandemic. So I think that's just one of the things we really talk about in our parenting is how to, how to not fix your child when they're in this pain and discomfort.
0: So allowing them to basically sit in it, be in it with them and like really kind of do your investigative work and and determine like, what is driving this? Exactly. Is it, as you said, are they being bullied? Is it anxiety? Is it, uh, you know, is it uh, poor sleep? Whatever it might be, it's just, you know, put on like, uh, which what you're describing obviously takes a lot more effort than just stop yelling. Um uh, yeah. that's a that's a common one in my ho- house yeah. Put your clothes back on, stop yelling, stop punching your brother in the neck. Um but uh yeah, what you're describing obviously makes sense. It's just takes a lot of bandwidth.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up because it does take that extra moment, right? And like you said, I really like that word. We actually use that a lot, B- bandwidth, right? If you come home and you have zero bandwidth, you will not be able to manage that disruptive behavior, that fighting between your kids. And I'm sure you've experienced it. I've experienced it. We all experience it, right? So when you have zero bandwidth, there's no way you're going to be able to (laughs) manage that situation in the ideal way, right? So number one is kind of going back to what I said, is we have to be able to have get our own bandwidth back. And you may not be able to because our needs may not be be met, right? So our needs of sleep and you know hunger or our stress level may be up here and so we actually cannot sit with our kids in that moment. So I've actually, you know, with my kids I've been doing this since they were little and I actually will come in and say I actually cannot handle this right now. Like I will tell them I see that you're hurting. I mean, I had my son come to me the other night and he was really upset about a situation that was going on. It was 1030 at night. I was half asleep. He was very upset. And I said, I, he was obviously very tired too. And so it was this moment of, Hey, Sean, wow. Like I, I see that you're really hurting and you're really upset. And I, I, I don't think I can handle this. Right. Like, I don't think I can sit with you and we can figure this out right now at 10 30 at night. I don't think you have the, you know, ability to do it. You're so tired. I'm so tired. And this is really important to me that we figure this out because I know you're really hurting. And I just don't think we're going to be able to figure this out tonight. I'm so sorry, but I'm here. Let's just, can we just lay together and, and, you know, I'm, you're not alone and let's figure out a time tomorrow that we can talk about this. Yeah. you know, the, these are the conversations that we need to be having. We need to give ourselves permission to be human. So our children can see us being human.
0: I mean, so- it's just, like, so, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh no, go ahead.
0: I, I was just going to say, it's, it's kind of like, well, we- many of us have been talking about even as healthcare professionals, man. Like if you can't, if you want to be present and there for your patients, you need to be taking care of yourself and have that ability to have that out. Like if you can't make that overtime shift, cause you're just stretched, don't do it. Cause, uh, you won't, the, 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 your ability to bounce back or to be able to be there two months down the road and not burned out, uh, is going to be impacted. So yeah, like, you got to make sure that you have the tools you need to be able to handle these situations.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, we forget this, right? We, we forget this as healthcare providers. I remember, I mean, I remember in residency I'd be, there was no way you could say that you were sick and that you couldn't be there. I mean, there was no way we had people with <laughs> residents with IVs in their arm trying to get through their shift I mean, I remember being sick and so sick and there was no way I should have been there. Right. I'm sure you've experienced this, right? And we've created this culture where it's not okay to say, I, I need some space. I need some time. And this is one of the biggest things I've actually talked to my kids about is, is, they don't, we joke because I don't, you know, part of our guidance approach and, you know, this is kind of a different topic, but we don't do rewards and punishments. And so they don't really know what a punishment is. They don't know what a timeout is. And they actually joke because they know what a timeout is because I take them, I take (laughs) timeouts, right? So I say, you know what, I need a timeout. But what this does, so what this does when we can voice these things with our children is we're giving them permission to do the same thing. We are giving them permission to say, I'm hurting right now. This is really hard and I can ask for help. Or so when I do this and i model this for them and no, I'm not perfect by any means, but they actually develop so much empathy and consideration because they look at me and they say, they will notice if I am starting to get triggered and they will look at me and they don't take it personally, which is so huge, right? So as a like recovering people pleaser, perfectionist, which I think a lot of us are, you know, for them to look at me, I always, you know, you take things personally and you think it's your fault. When I start getting triggered, my kids, instead of thinking it's their fault, they look at me and they say, mom, are you okay? Did you have a bad day? Are you tired? You seem like you're really upset right? When I'm starting to get maybe triggered at them and maybe starting to get upset at them for something that's really nothing to do with them. And I stop and it gives me that moment to say, yeah, you know what? I had a really bad day. I'm really stressed out. I need five minutes. So this is actually creating empathy and consideration in our children. And it also gives them permission. So my kids now will say, I just need some space right now. Like if they're really upset, I didn't, I need some space right now. Can we talk about it later? Right. So I think it's just creating this language of us not pretending to be perfect. So our kids don't think that they have to be perfect.
0: Wow. I, I I don't take this the wrong way, but I cannot picture my kids doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just, they're just so far away from that. I mean, they're younger, but, uh, yeah, but
1: you know, it's, it's, It's time. And you're right. It does take, it does take more time to sit there and have these conversations with them. And you're right. You can't do it when you don't have the bandwidth, but, and like you said, you can say, stop yelling or go to your room. And what you're probably going to do is create more problems down the road that are going to end up taking longer, right. To solve later. So
0: so maybe walk me through this. So like, uh, one of my kids uh, just punches his younger brother in the neck yeah. uh, and not really showing much in the way of remorse. Everyone's right. crying like all, straight up. He's normal. In the normal circumstances, he's going up to his room and he apologized to his brother after. But yep. uh, what it like this, like uh, Lauren method, what, how am right. I, how am I, how am I pivoting here?
1: So you need to get, you need to make sure that you're not triggered, right? You need to take a deep breath. You need to center yourself, right? So one of your kids punched the other one, right?
0: Yeah.
1: It depends on how escalated they are, right? If they're really escalated, you are not gonna fix this problem right now. You're gonna say to the one that hit, wow, you were so mad that you punched your brother. I'm not okay with this, but I see you're really upset about something. Right. And he's going to say, yeah, dad, I'm so mad because.
0: Took my toy. did something. My
1: toy. And then you're going to turn to your other son and say, I am not okay with him punching you. I am so sorry that happened. He was really upset because you took his toy. And then what is your son going to say? You think.
0: What's, what's he going to say? He'd be like. uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It. Yeah, you, you, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But maybe. Right. Yeah, like the. Uh, hold on a second. Which kid? Which kid? Which the the one the punchy or the punchy or the puncher or the punchy? What would they say? Uh,
1: the, the one that punched him is because he took his toy, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to say you took his toy and he got really mad and he hit you. Yeah. And I'm not okay with him hitting you. Yeah. You know, I'm not okay with that. I'm still not okay with that. And he's really upset. Cause you took his toy.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So y- you actually have to become the mediator in between this like situation. Right. Yeah. And, and you may not be able to fix it in that moment because their emotions are so high. So yeah. you're going to have to say, we're, I want to talk about this because I'm not okay with what happened here. And you guys are both really upset. So let's all take a break. So you're not punishing one or the other. You're not taking sides for one or the other, right? You are basically neutral, right? You're not, you're not okay with that. Of course you're not okay with the fact that he punched him. Right. But you're, you you're kind of in the, in the middle and you're taking me near. So it's, it's developing a lot of skills, you know, and this happens a lot over time, but it's, you know, it's, it's so fascinating to watch as you, I think, you know, going back to kind of resilience and grit and kind of teaching this in our kids is we really have to let them separate separate and individuate i think as parents we feel like all their behaviors are a reflection of us and how mm-hmm. we're doing as a parent and what we have to do is we have to accept them for who they are and what they want to achieve and you know and we have to i think we have to separate what we want for them versus what they really Really want, want. right. And their passion and their desires. And so I think this is really hard, right? I mean, we want our kids to be happy. We see that they're going to, I think the hardest thing for a parent, for me, the hardest thing is watching them fail and watching them hurting. I mean, this is hard for anybody that you love, but especially a child, right? Yeah. But I think if the the way that kids learn and become resilient and have this grit that we eventually want them to have, right, I think it takes time to develop is we have to let them fail and mess up. Yeah. And we have to be there to say, wow, that really sucked. Like you, yeah, you messed up or, hey, you didn't, yeah, you didn't play the best you could or that really sucks. And you have to sit there and be like, "I'm here and I love you, and it's okay that you messed up." Like, yeah. it's, I think we tie like their successes and in school and their successes with friends and their especially sports, <clears throat> their worth. Yeah. And this happened for me, you know, growing up. My worth. I wasn't athletic, so it wasn't sports so much, but it was academics. Right. And so if I failed at academics, like I didn't know what else there was for me. Right. So I think we have to, it's really hard. I mean, as adults, I think we're trying, like, I'm trying to get out of that. Like, wow, my worth is tied into what I achieve or that I don't fail. Or like you said, with your, your healthcare workers is like to be able to say like, I can't do this. That doesn't mean I'm a failure. That doesn't mean I'm a bad (laughs) physician or nurse, or this just means that I just can't do this right now. Right. And so I think for our kids is we really need to let them feel their feelings, let them know that they're okay to have those feelings and not And sit with them in that, yeah, in those feelings. And I think a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this many times, but it's, we see them in pain or we see them angry and we're just there like, like, oh, it's not that bad. It'll be better tomorrow. You know, don't worry about it. And what we're doing is we're actually dismissing all those feelings that they're having. Don't cry. Right. That's a common one. Don't cry. Like, don't cry. Like, <laughs> you know, I think that's a common one because we can't sit with that discomfort of them. It's being hard pain. for us. It's so hard for us, right? Yeah. So I, I I I hate it. I mean, I hate it. That's the worst. That's the worst to sit there. And it takes a lot of practice. And to be like, yeah, I'm so sorry you're really hurting. This sucks. I mean, when we moved from Hong Kong, it was the most gut-wrenching thing to watch my kids because they grew up there. And I just remember laying in bed with my then 13 year old, he's 15 now. And he was, he had so many friends there and he was just bawling his eyes out. I mean, just gutted, gutted. And he said, mom, this is so hard. I miss my friends, I'm so alone. And I said, I know. I had I, I just laid with him for like two hours. And we cried. And I said, I know this sucks. This is so hard. And I don't, I can't make it better. And I'm not going to tell you it's going to be better tomorrow or in a month. I don't know. Right. And all I wanted to do is going to say, it's going to be better. It's going to be okay. Just do this. You know, yes. just do X. I don't even know the answer. Right. So I think to create that resilience is we have to let them have those feelings and just be with them in it and say like, this sucks. You miss all your friends. Like, I know, like I'm here with you and I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know how to make it better. I don't know what to do, but Hmm. you're not alone. You have me and somehow we'll get through this and I'm not sure how, and it's still probably going to hurt for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard when it's your kid. It's really hard when it's a partner. It's really hard when it's really any loved one um, to just watch them in that. And because, you know, their heart's breaking, you know, they're hurting or if they've had a failure, right. You know, they, yeah, it's just hard. And so I think it's just saying it's yeah. Okay. And when they're in their emotions, you know, a lot of times I'll have conversations with them a couple of days later. So I'll say, Hey, like, you know, you messed up this, or this was really hard, or you got in a fight with your brother or your sister. And can we talk about that? Because I'm like, I'm not really okay. You know, if it was a fight, like, Hey, I'm really not okay with the way you're treating your brother. Like what's going on for you that you're so mean to him. I've had these conversations so many times and not in the midst of it. It's like a separate, you have to do it when no one's emotions are high. And a lot of times... A lot of times I get out of them, you know, I don't know, like my, one of my sons, he's 15 and he treats his middle, my middle son. There's always head to head. And I had this conversation with him not long ago. I said, what's going on that? You're just, you know, what's going on? And he just broke down crying. He goes, I don't know, mom. I don't know why I'm so mean to him. I don't know. Like he just, I, he, he, we, we just haven't figured out what is going on for him that he's triggered about it. And I said, okay, well, the only thing you're not going to be able to change his behavior like, oh, he's just so annoying. Right. I'm sure you've heard this. He's so annoying. So annoying. And I was like, okay, but that's your problem. Like you're responsible for your reactions. You're responsible for thinking he's annoying. I don't think he's annoying. That's your problem. So what are we going to do about it? How are we gonna handle it? Oh, maybe I can just walk away, is it okay, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a lot and it's complicated and there's a lot of topics, but I think, you know, going back to kind of resilience and this, all this mental health stuff with our kids is our kids need to feel safe at home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They need to have a safe space. And I have talked about this with, with my kids too. Um, I said, we need to have a safe space because it's nasty out there, right? People are mean, things are scary. Like we need to have a safe space. So I think really coming back to creating the safe space in our home for our kids where they can be as messy as they need to be and still know that they're loved and that they know that they can fail and they still know that they're loved, and supported. I mean, I'll tell my kids like I have your back. Like some of your yeah. behavior is totally ugly. <laughs> but you know what? To be honest, some of my behavior can be totally ugly, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean,
0: but I, yeah I really like that idea of the kids knowing always, you know, in this messy world, yeah, we have your back. You're always going to be loved. Mom and dad are are there and aren't going anywhere and uh i I think knowing that that home is a safe environment where you can show your true colors Mm -hmm. you could you could you could be you i think can only help when it comes to overall well-being yeah yeah
1: yeah we all need a safe space we all need to feel like we belong And we all need to feel like we have people in our lives that we can be really messy and ugly with because, you know, just going back to like kind of the mental health and just this spans across adults and kids is people are not going to necessarily ask for help. Like I actually, I mean, I've gotten to the point where I've had to ask, you know, but it's really hard what we have to be more aware of is people are not going to ask for help when they're struggling necessarily, but they will not behave in it. They will, it'll be messy. Their behavior will be messy and it'll be things that we don't necessarily like. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have to look beyond that and say, what is going on for this person that they're yelling or fighting or, I don't know, like withdrawing from school, withdrawing from, like, we have to start not expecting people to ask for help. And I say this across adults and kids, that people will be struggling and we have to start being aware of that their behaviors, we have to pay attention to the behaviors, right? Like, why is this person acting differently? What's going on? Why is this, you know, because people are not always going to ask for help. It's scary to ask for help or, or they don't know how to ask for help.
0: I was so just going to say that sometimes they just don't, they don't know. They don't know how. Yeah. Um. Man, Lauren, yeah. there's some fundamental, awesome points that you brought up here that I'm going to be bringing back to our household. Actually, some of this, I must say, my old lady has been a proponent of, but uh, yeah. um, dad needs to do a better job of for sure.
1: Well, you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of yourself, right? So you can be there. and Yeah.
0: Yeah. And for me, one of the the other takeaways over the last few months, um, we got away a couple of times this summer, but you know, when it comes to that bandwidth is creating more space, like not having that schedule filled with all kinds of shit. Cause once you have that space dealing with these circumstances is a lot easier Than when you're on four hours of sleep or even running around and your head's full. And so, yeah, that's, that's another big takeaway for me.
1: Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to ask for that kind of permission. And yeah. And I promise you, you put the effort in at the beginning, you know, kind of creating these conversations and you'll get to the point where your kids will look at you and they'll say, wow, dad, you look really tired." Like when you're starting to get triggered and angry, you'll get to that point where they're going to be like, wow, dad's, dad needs some space and you need to be able to voice what you need. I think that's a big thing too, because kids they want to please you and they want to take care of you and they love you. Right. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Amen. Amen. Lauren. Well, listen, thank you so much for jumping on the show. I know uh, this this has been a long time in the making, but it was worth every minute and uh, I, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, staying fit, state of mind and a body you're you're an inspiration to so many
1: yeah thanks for having me it was great to talk
0: absolutely Quarkast Nation I hope you enjoyed that episode follow us on Instagram, TikTok IG, YouTube Facebook at Quarkast leave any comments at at Quarkast999gmail.com don't forget to leave that 5 star rating changing the bully, you know what I'm saying check out Solving Wellness SolvingWellness.com Reducing burnout amongst healthcare providers, making that difference. Anyway, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We love you. Connect again real soon. Peace.